0: Hello, everyone. You are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. I am Jordan Hall, and as always, I am joined by the dynamic Joe Fordyce. Joe, the Flyers are coming off probably their biggest dud of the season. Um, they had been very good going into that game, but 4 nothing loss to the Flames, their first shutout loss of the season, and now another big week ahead for the team. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at bite.com. That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. You know, overall, what did you think of that Flames loss? Um, did you feel like it was almost getting to that point where we were going to see a, a letdown from the team, just given how well they had played up to that point?
1: Yeah,
2: I think they were due. And, you know, there's 82 games in the season. They're on a, they're on a, a West Coast swing. They won the first two games. Um, We don't want to think this, but human instinct might take over at some point and say, well, Hey, we already got the first two games of this trip. We're kind of playing with house money at this point. Um, You would hope the team doesn't think that way. And I'm sure the coaches and players would never admit that they think this way. But as I said, it's it's sometimes human instinct is just a, a thing that happens. And, um, what I will say is this, though. When the when the Flyers play, when you continue to play with fire, you're going to get burned. And the discipline continues to be a fire that the Flyers are playing with almost on a game-by-game basis, um, taking penalties. And in this game, you know, it caught up to them. They, uh, you know, they were on the penalty kill a good amount, as they had been Um in a number of the previous games and you know it it seemed to catch up to them I mean you're you're going to wear yourself out if you're killing penalties as much as they have been and you know that's I watching the game I, I was thinking to myself you know th- this is this is going to come back to bite them at some point you can't yeah. you can't keep playing this way um so maybe that's lesson learned. And if so, it's good it happened this early in the season that, you know, you you just have to clean up some of the discipline, some of the penalties. And A.V. said it after the game, taking penalties 200 feet from your own net. I mean, these are penalties. Whenever you hear a coach say reference to 200 feet from your own net, you know those are penalties that that, the coach is really unhappy with. So I definitely got that impression from A.V. after the game. And I, I would say this week, um you're gonna see them you're, you're likely going to see a much more disciplined flyers team uh, in these game, these games coming up against Arizona and uh, and Pittsburgh the next two.
0: Yeah entering uh, Monday morning they lead the league in penalty minutes per game Now some of that may be skewed from that crazy cracking game uh, but they also had 37 penalties taken which is pretty high uh too many penalties some may not be. All, all men some may be some ticky tack officiating but at the end of the day yeah you will get burned by penalties and it felt like that was starting to brew and it would eventually boil over uh when, when you're kind of yeah you're really playing with fire when you're committing penalties like that against the Oilers and some of these really good teams the, the Panthers and, and it kind of came back to bite them against the Flames that's for sure the first two game first two goals of that game were power play goals. I mean, Carhartt was playing really well and the Flyers were giving themselves a chance, but they committed penalties and eventually the Flames cracked them on the power play. And it's a two nothing game at that point in the third period, power play goals. And and at that point felt like the game was over. Joe, did you think the Flyers looked sluggish and tired? I, I just felt like, I really felt like this game really was due for For a letdown. And you don't want to think like that. You want to win every game. It's not like, hey, we're playing well. So now's a decent time to lose one. Like that's you don't think like that. Like great teams don't think like that. And I'm not saying the Flyers were. But when you look at the big picture, they're playing the third game in four nights on this road trip. They already won the first two games of this road trip. They didn't have Ryan Ellis. Um, they just looked tired and flat, and and it felt like this was going to come, especially given the Flames are rolling. The Flames are now 6-1-1, a pretty good team coming off a five-game winning streak. All five games on the road, they come home, and they get the Flyers. It just felt like this was maybe a time for a loss, and and lo and behold, it was.
2: Yeah, um, it's interesting because the Flames just came off a long road trip. And yeah. when, when a team comes off a long road trip uh, – particularly when they were on the East coast for a lot of it. Um, they go back home. A lot of times that's the team that starts the game sluggish.
1: Yeah.
2: I, I didn't really see that from Calgary the other night, but what I did see is the, the flyers had no ability to get anything going in in the offensive zone. Yeah. Um, I mean, they were uh, <laughs> to use a hockey cliche. They, the ice seemed tilted the entire <laughs> game, all yeah. 60 minutes, it seemed like it was tilted because I mean, if you think about that game, you you it's you really come up small if you try to think of a a, a really good scoring opportunity that the Flyers had in the entire game. They really didn't generate anything offensively. Um, now, when you're taking penalties and you're chasing the game, that tends to happen you mentioned the other factors, three games and four nights, you're on a road trip. You already won the first two, as I mentioned, I'm I'm sure some human instinct uh, creeps in it at some point, but um, I I was, it was a little, little bit concerning that they just could not get anything going. Um, I mean, we talked in the post game show uh, about Jacob Markstrom in that game and you Know he had a second straight shutout, but I, I was thinking this might have been as easy the easiest shutout I've ever seen a goalie get because he wasn't really tested the entire game. So, um, let's hope. I mean, I'm not trying to put anybody down, but Arizona's the right team to play, yeah. uh, coming home, um, maybe as a get right game. Um, I believe they're still winless on the season, yeah. Um, which that in itself is a little bit scary, but um. You know, I think we'll 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 see a rejuvenated Flyers team that comes out of the uh, out of the gate storming um, tomorrow night.
0: Yes. Yeah, a re- very good opportunity for a get right game. The Coyotes are 08 and one, really just kind of spiraling, and the Flyers come home where uh, they we believe they'll play pretty well this season. So, but then you know the schedule certainly turns up uh, with the Capitals and the Penguins. So, a really good week for the Flyers. Our first really glimpse, Joe, at a divisional play for the Flyers. So, that will be very inter- interesting. So, yeah, the Coyotes on Tuesday, the Penguins on Thursday, and the Capitals on Saturday. The, the back half of that, the Penguins and Capitals, th- those games are on the road. So, it will be good challenges. And Joe, just how formidable has this division looked so far? It's I, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, man, Flyers are off to a really good start. And then I peek at the standing standings at the metropolitan division and everyone's off to a pretty good start in that division.
2: Right. And, and you think, wow, they're off to a pretty good start. And you look at the standings and they're in fifth place. Yeah. And the team that's right ahead of them is Columbus. So I don't think anybody considered to even be a factor in this division this year. Um, the, the capitals have had injury problems. They haven't lost the game yet. Um, the I think everybody figured the Carolina Hurricanes to be good. Uh, Rod Brendemore really seems to have things rolling there, and they're uh, they're atop the division. Um, the other one that stands out to me is the Rangers. Um, they the assets that they have collected over the last few years have kind of concerned me. Um, they're a young up and coming team, and it looks like so far that they're kind of putting it together and. I'll tell you, Adam Fox has become one of the best defensemen in this in the NHL. Yeah. He just piles up points. He really and, – and he makes their power play very scary. Um, and he was scary against the Flyers last year. We saw, you know, the, the Flyers had some rough games against the Rangers last season. Um, and this team it seems to be even more formidable. So um, – and that's not even to mention Pittsburgh, who's currently in the basement of the division – and Sidney Crosby's only played one game for them. Of course, we'll see them later this week against the Flyers. So the teams at the bottom at the bottom of the division are some of the teams you expect to be at the top when we get to um, March and April. And that that's a scary prospect. This division is going to be uh, it's going there's not going to be any nights off in this division, and that's why um, you know you have to avoid the pitfalls and the stuff we talked about on so far on this uh, episode, the, the human um, instinct and the sort of take the foot off the gas pedal stuff when you're on a road trip and you already got, you've already gotten a couple wins because on nights when you're not getting wins, there are other teams in the division that are getting wins. For example, uh, so the Flyers lose to Calgary and then the Rangers Uh, they won on Friday night at home. They went out to Seattle and got another win last night. So, you know, it's somebody's going to be getting points. So you can't, I mean, and it's the old hockey cliche, the two points in November or October, as it was this past weekend count just as much as the ones you earn in March and April. So, um, the flyers want to avoid as much as they can
0: Flowers Talk is brought to you by Great Railing. Stop into Great Railing for the highest quality and lowest prices on all your railing, decking, and fencing needs. Joe, just looking at the goal differentials, two in the Metropolitan Division. The worst goal differential in the division is the Devils, and they're at even. They're at zero. Uh, I'm, I'm. Excuse me. The worst goal differential in the division is the Islanders. They're at minus one, and then the Devils are second to worst at zero. Everyone else is in the positives. It's just. You look at other divisions across the NHL, a lot of teams are in the minus goal differentials or they at least one division probably has a team that's maybe like the Coyotes like looking for their first win or only one or two wins. Um, not the Metropolitan Division. The division is legit.
2: Yeah, and, and just looking up and down at this division, as, as you said, um, when, I, I know New Jersey has an up-and-coming team. As we mentioned, the Rangers have an up-and-coming team. I mean, if you go, went into the season, the only team that I would say was definitely not a playoff team was Columbus. And they are currently sitting ahead of the Flyers. Yeah. Uh, the devils would be the second team I would say, or that would most likely not be a playoff team. And they're currently tied with the Flyers with nine points. Yeah. So, um, and you know, the devils have, have up and coming players and they, they made moves in free agency. They went out and got Dougie Hamilton. Um, You know, they're not, I'm not saying that they're a pushover either. So uh, I could realistically see every team in this, there's not any team in this division that I would say would surprise me except for Columbus if they made the playoffs.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's,
2: I think that's scary because if you look around the league, I think the Metro is the only division where you can say that Mm -hmm. Um, you, 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 the other divisions in the NHL, you have teams where you're like, okay, other teams are going to pile up points and wins against those teams. There are no, as I said, there are no pushovers in in this division. Um, And that's, that means you have to you have to have it going every night and you have to be ready to play and expect um, a team's best effort every night when you get into divisional play and you know the winning the way that the nhl does this schedule now there's a lot of these western conference games early in the season which means later in the season there's almost exclusively division games and that's going to be quite a a race to the finish because um it, it 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 won't be easy this is this is by far the toughest division in the nhl
0: yeah Joe, looking at some lineup matters, we can get uh, – we can touch on the defense and Ryan Ellis. Obviously, Ellis has missed four straight games with an injury, and the Flyers are hoping he can get back in the lineup this week. Uh, but looking at the forward groups, I have a feeling Nicholas Alvey-Cudell is going to enter the lineup, I think, on Tuesday. I, um, he has sat the last two games. The Flyers went with uh, Patrick Brown, Zach McEwen, and Nate Thompson on their fourth line. McEwen seemed like a good guy to play in those games. He, you know, he was a former Canucks, so he played his former team. It's always a nice thing to get a guy in against his former team. Sometimes they get up for those games, mean something to them. And then he played against the flames, a team that he's played against a lot in his career too. thought it made sense to play McEwen there. They wanted to see Patrick Brown and Nicholas Obie Kubel hasn't been great. He's com- he's committed some penalties. It's kind of given us a reminder of what he did last season, but I think McEwen will come out. It's just it's just my gut instinct. I think McEwen will come out to start this uh, this week, and they'll get Nicholas Albi Kubel back in there. A good chance to get him back in. But what have you thought about the play of the fourth line and, and where things could shake out moving forward? There.
2: Well, yeah, I, I would agree with you that they'll they will likely make that lineup change, and and you know it's no no knock or anything on Zach McEwen's play. I mean, he really injected life into the into the team the other night with that fight and you know sticking up for teammates and all those sorts of things that you'd like to see particularly out of fourth line players and then uh Nate Thompson had that that rush the other night unfortunately the end of the rush turned into a goal the other direction but um he went end to end and kind of did one of those drag moves where he tried to drag the puck past the defenseman and shot the puck just wide, and I didn't know he had that in his bag of tricks, uh, so I was I was kind of pleasantly surprised to see him uh, pull that off, and as I said, all in all, the puck ends up in the Flyers' net at the end of that sequence, but that was no fault of Nate Thompson. You know, he was trying to do what he could for his team, and, and you know, I, I think Nate has brought some energy to this lineup early in the season here. Um, he had to fight the one game. I mean, it's... He, he, you know, he, they're doing what a fourth line should do. And, um, you know, I, I've, I've been happy with their play. Of course, we mentioned the Obey QBAL penalties, which has been a thing that is not new to anyone. So, um, but I do think he'll be back in the lineup. Um, but at least it, it was good to get a look at McEwen and Patrick Brown, as you said, because um, you want to know what you have depth-wise. Uh, with that fourth line. And I think the Flyers got to look at that and they know they have some interchangeable parts down there in the lower part of their lineup.
0: Indeed. And Patrick Brown was the original guy they got off a of waiver. So I think they really want to get a look at him. He can play a little winger and center, real north south. So I think they want to see him more. Nate Thompson, I don't envision coming out of the lineup until Kevin Hayes gets back. I think he's going to stick in. The team really likes him, the coaching staff really likes him. He could probably play less minutes. He could probably play fewer minutes than he has. But they that, have- that is
2: one thing that that stands out. And and we talk about this when we're watching the games, doing uh, Korean post. That it seems like he is on the ice a lot for a fourth <laughs> line. But but um, it seems like Av likes when he when he sees when he likes the way his lower lines look, particularly the fourth line. Um, he plays the more minutes. I mean, we remember last season he, he would talk about Connor Bunneman's line when Bunneman was up with the team a lot and they would play more minutes. So he really likes to roll four lines because I, you know, I found myself um, I think it was the Vancouver game, looking at some of the guys that were on the ice very late in that game and thinking, it's interesting that that guy's only that, that line is on the ice right now, but that's just the way he, he likes to roll. And when he's happy with the way they're playing, they play more.
0: It's an effort-based system. His system is all uh, effort-based, north-south, four-check-oriented. And in order to play that effort through a full game, you you need to play four lines. So yes, you're going to play your top two more than your fourth, but you do need your fourth line because in order to have your top two at its best and playing that hard get-after-you system, you're going to need the fourth line to eat up some minutes, but They've also had to kill a lot of penalties. That's why Nate Thompson has played so much and some of the other guys have is because Nate Thompson is a PKer who takes PK faceoffs, and they've had to kill so many penalties, naturally his minutes are going to rise. So if they commit fewer penalties, Nate Thompson will be on the ice less. But he does a lot of things the team likes, uh, defensive zone draws, PK draws, uh, stuff of that nature. So I think whole stick. So it just makes sense. I think they'll get Nicholas Albee-Kubella in here coming up. And Zach McEwen committed one of those bad penalties against the Flames. He was, in, uh, he was called for hooking in the offensive zone late in the game as they're trying to push. So I thought McEwen was fine, too, on the road trip. I didn't think he was, like, awful or anything. Um, but he did commit that penalty, and I think it is time to get Knack back in there, see what he can do. Uh, Joe, closing us out, looking at some defensemen, I want to ask you about Ryan Ellis, but also Shane Gossespierre. will be back in the house making his return with the Coyotes. But uh, Ryan Ellis has missed four straight games. I think we all know his importance. Um, If you can touch on Ryan Ellis and also uh, maybe what Shane Gossespierre did for you during his Flyers career. uh, And as he comes back home, I think it'll be nice to see him.
2: Yeah. um, So first off, I I do think that this, as the games go on, the the Ellis being out of the lineup is more glaring. Um, I, I don't, You know, I I don't love the look of Rasmus Rasmus, Kristalina on the power play. Um, I think the power play is a little stagnant right now without Ellis there. Um, So I think that that that'll be whenever he comes back, I think that will be a very noticeable addition there. And then just, you know, I I feel like Ivan Provorov has struggled without Ellis in the lineup. Um, I I really feel like Provrov is a player who feeds off the player that he plays next to. And, um, you know, they need him back. I mean, there's no team in the NHL that can just lose their number one defenseman and and not be affected by it. Um, You know, and quite frankly, having not had him and looking at what their record is, if you would have said that before the season, okay, Ryan Ellis is going to miss – this many games early in the season and you're still going to have this record. Would you sign up for it? Anybody would. Um, so, you know, he will definitely, the Flyers need him, need to get him back soon. And hopefully that can happen. Uh, as far as Shane Gostisbehere, I was always a fan. I always felt like the Flyers offensively were at their best when Shane Gostisbehere was kind of running things, particularly on the power play. And I was looking at Arizona's lineup the other day. And they, of course, have Jacob Chikrin, who is a up-and-coming defenseman in this league. But I see that Shane gostas is quarterbacking the number one power play for that, which is, I mean, that's what you would expect. And, um, you know, it shows you that, well, it shows you a couple of things. Arizona, they're, they don't have the greatest lineup, obviously, and their record shows it. Um, but it also shows you that, Uh, they have a plan for Gostespierre and he they're going to play him to his strengths. And that is to run the top power play. And the Flyers were always at their best. Their power play was at the best when Shane Gostespierre was on his game and running that top power play. So that'll be a familiar sight. hopefully not too familiar. And the Flyers don't take too many penalties Tuesday night when they play Arizona. But, um, but yeah, I I was always a, a fan of Ghost. I really was. And I mean, I know, I always said that he – I've never seen a player affected by high confidence or low confidence like Gostas Bear was. When he was a highly confident player, he was one of the best players on the ice and could drive the entire offense with the Flyers. But when he was a low-confidence player, there were games where he was a total liability on the ice, and that was the part of his game where sometimes it was too much to take, and we saw – over the years, a a number of healthy scratches um, from time to time when he was in those kind of ruts of not having his confidence high. Um, But overall, I I was a Shane Gostaspare fan. And that season that he came up um, was one of the more memorable memorable seasons in recent memory. And that was the case because of Shane Gostaspare and not really any other reason. I mean, he came up and energized the team like few I've seen in Uh, in recent seasons with this, uh, with this franchise.
0: Indeed. And it's impressive. He's leading the Coyotes in scoring right now with five points, all five assists. So that's, you know, good for him. Uh, Obviously it's the Coyotes and they're 08 and one and they're, and they're looking for anything right now, but nonetheless, he is leading them in scoring. Uh, And yeah, I, I I think he'll get a a very nice ovation. I think he'll get a video tribute uh, as he should. Uh, I thought he was a really good flyer did a lot of good things, was good in the community. Um, and I always enjoyed his honesty. He was always honest with us, the media, um, always took the time to talk to us, which I really appreciated. Um, good or bad, though, he was there to talk, and I always thought that was a real pro um, pro in him. And yet he did some really fun things. Like, Joe, you mentioned his rookie year, the 17 goals, the point streak for a rookie defenseman. Um, and then, obviously, he had the 65-point season. He was an exciting player that gave, I think, Flyers fans some really fun memories, um, especially when he came up. Uh, really battled injuries uh, and a, a guy that was really affected by confidence, so much so that he would admit to us when he was. When he was battling confidence issues, he was very honest with us about that. His game was driven on confidence, and he would tell us that. And uh, Always appreciated his honesty. Good guy, good player. Um, and, yeah, wishing the best in Arizona. Uh, I hope they can start winning some games. I can only imagine what it's like for a player in his first year with a new team after being with the one team his entire career, going to a new place and, and dealing with the issues Arizona's dealing with right now. That can't be easy, but uh, that's you know that's life in the NHL. Sometimes it's, it's not easy. So uh, good guy, good player. But, yeah, Joe, it's, uh, the, the Flyers will have to get Ryan Ellis back. I think we all know his importance. Um, you're seeing guys kind of play out of position right now because he's not there. Uh, I'm with you. I don't love Rasmus Ristelainen on the power play. I think he can do it, but um, I I think he's more of a guy that you wanted even strength and killing some penalties. uh, When Ryan Ellis is back, Rasmus Ristelainen will not be playing on the power play. Um, Justin Braun will not be playing on the top defensive pair. Braun's been good, but he is older too. I think he's much more slotted as a third line guy right now with Keith Yandel. Right now he's playing next to Ivan Prograv because Ryan Ellis is out. So, we all know. I right will say,
2: just to follow up on your point about Braun, I would say if you looked at Braun in the Vancouver and the Edmonton game, and then looked at him in the Calgary game, he looked like two different players. And I think this is what happens when you have a guy that should be on your third D pair, uh, second D pair, maybe, but that's playing out of position. He looked a step slow. Um, he he was he was out of position a number of times, and that came against Calgary. Whereas if you go back to the first game of the road trip against Edmonton, I mean, he's out there against McDavid's line and he's hanging with McDavid in the corner. And quite frankly, um, we talked about this on pre and post and uh, maybe even on the last podcast, I think at worst, Justin Braun was the third best player on the entire Flyers team in that Edmonton game, but the cumulative effect of having to play more minutes um for a guy at bronze age with as many games under his belt, I think you saw that catch up to him a little bit in the Calgary game, and you know that's why when one of those dominoes is out of place, everything else is, you know, you you feel like something could tumble at any point, and um, you know I, the the Flyers need to get get things back to back to good again. Arizona is a good team for that, um, but more so on the health front. Um, They
0: really need Ryan Ellis back in this lineup. Indeed. And uh, we'll see if he can go Tuesday. I think it's a realistic possibility that he could, according to uh, the two inquiry reporters uh, in Calgary, uh, Olivia Reiner and Gianna Han. Uh, Ryan Ellis did skate on Saturday. uh, So he was at morning skate, and that was a good sign. Uh, Perhaps they just decided, hey, let's get you this final game here in the road trip to sit out. We'll have you ready for Tuesday or at least some point this week. So it sounds like he's trending in the right direction, but clearly this injury has been nagging him. It has lingered not the way the Flyers thought it would. Uh, So they're trying to address it and get him back on the ice. But big week ahead for the Flyers. Uh, As we noted, games on Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. Uh, You can catch them all on NBC Sports Philadelphia with Joe Fordyce directed pre-game live, post-game live. And uh, Taryn Hatcher will have it with you as well. And of course- Yeah, I'm- and uh,
2: just a note on, on this week, we have a couple mystery guests um, this week for you uh, to talk about, um, well, one of them is, to, we'll talk about the upcoming alumni game, which is one of the biggest the Flyers have ever held. Um, should be a great event coming up. And uh, one of our mystery guests this week will be playing in that game. And he'll talk about that. That'll, that'll be on Tuesday, and then we have another one on Thursday
0: that we're pretty excited about. So um, should be a good week, of, uh, good week of shows. I love it, Joe. Yeah, catch that all out this week on Flyers Pregame Live. Uh, good week of hockey ahead, and we'll see uh, more and more what the Flyers are made of uh, as we go forward here. Joe Fordyce, thank you so much as always. Great seeing you, great chatting with you. We will do this again later this week. Uh, a big thank you to Ben Berry, our podcast producer. Big thank you to Ben. And Flyers fans, as always, thank you for listening to the Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. Wherever you get your podcast, please rate and listen, and we cannot wait to talk to you next time.